It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, welcome to episode 17 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here as always with Adam Kersenblatt, and in this episode, we'll kick things off with an update on the situation in Moose Jaw and a couple of injury headlines. Then we've got our three stars of the week, a couple under-the-radar players leading their teams in scoring in our player spotlight. We've got the NHL's team of the week, the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll finish up, as always, with our weekly Connor Bedard watch. How's it going, Adam? What's up with you this week? Uh, very busy week the last, you know, seven days, three hockey games. So two Canuck games and a Vancouver Giants game. All three uh, were wins, which is pretty surprising knowing the uh, Canucks um, recent play. Uh, but yeah, excite some excitement. We got plenty of WHO playoff atmosphere in that Vancouver Giants Prince George Cougars game on Sunday that ended in OT. Um, that was a very exciting game, plenty of prospects in that game to watch. And we're getting to the point where, you know, there, most teams are in that five, six games left. So the intensity is starting to ramp up. There's a lot more physical play, a lot more between the whistles in the WHL action. And it's just exciting to watch, um, when the season gets to this point and you have, unlike the NHL, the majority of the league. Um, yeah, the majority of the teams will be making the playoffs, and so there's a lot to uh, to play for all the way across. Um, I was at those same two Canucks games that you were at. Uh, the Anaheim win was like watching paint dry. The Ottawa win was a little more fun and entertaining. I was a bit disappointed that the uh, up-and-coming senators didn't uh, manage to maintain the, the the hot start that they got off to. But uh, when the Canucks win four in a row for the first time this season and actually deliver four home wins, um, it makes the tank team a little disappointed that the Connor Bedard odds go down. But uh, it is nice to see the Canucks sort of starting to gel and come together a little bit uh, under Rick Tockett. So uh, I'll be back at Rogers Arena tonight. We're recording on Tuesday and uh, the Canucks are hosting Dallas. So that'll be uh, that'll be a challenge for them, although the Stars are on a back to back. They beat Seattle last night down in Seattle. Um, now let's uh, dig into the show, starting off on our headlines on a rather serious note today. Um, after the announcement that four members of the Moose Jaw Warriors were suspended in mid-February, suspended indefinitely, the, uh, the WHL has released their statement of, uh, of discipline. So do you want to walk us through that, please? Yeah, so we'll start with the, what the suspensions uh, were. So all four players, Connor Unger, Max uh, Warner, uh, Lyndon Lakovic and Mark ha Merrick Howell, they've all been suspended for the remainder of the regular season. So that would be uh, the last five games of the uh, regular season as of recording. On top of that, Moose Jaw general manager Jason Ripperling and head coach Mark O'Leary were suspended for five WHL regular season games, effective as of the statement. So they've already served two. They're going to be back in, they have three more games. And on top of that, the Moose Jaw Warriors Hockey Club was fined 
$25,000 as part of this incident. Okay, I'll just um, read the statement as it came out that still um, not a lot of detail on what actually happened, but uh, there's reasons for that. Anyways, here goes. Um, The four players have been suspended due to an off-ice incident while on a team road trip in Edmonton during the month of February. Though the conduct of the players was not found to be criminal in nature, the conduct was determined to be a violation of team and league rules, including the WHL standard of conduct policies as outlined in the WHL personal conduct policy. In order to be reinstated by the WHL following the completion of their suspensions, the four Moose Jaw Warriors players will be required to complete further personal conduct and respect training. The Moose Jaw Warriors Hockey Club General Manager Jason Ripplinger and Head Coach Mark O'Leary are subject to discipline on the basis of failing to provide the proper oversight and supervision required to ensure a safe and positive environment for players, in particular while traveling. Out of respect for the privacy of all the parties involved, the WHL cannot provide further details on the matter. Yeah, so obviously this is a very difficult situation for the Moose Jaw Warriors and the WHL to go through at the moment. Um, One important note about this, and one of the reasons that we won't hear too much about what actually happened is that two of the players... Uh, Lyndon Lakovic and uh, Merrick Howell are minors. They're both 16 years old. So that when there's minors involved, a lot of the information is kept behind closed doors. Um, And we don't have all the information. So it, you know, we can't speculate on what happened, the, all of that situation, but what we can look at is what happens in the future and talking about how the playoffs are coming up. We don't know if these players are going to be eligible for the playoffs or not because we are not sure how long it's going to take to complete the personal conduct and respect training. So it's it's a situation that we're going to have to follow up on in the future. Um, Connor Unger, he's a 20-year-old, so this is the last WHL season, so we don't know if he's played his last WHL game. And we also have... um, uh, Warner, who is an Edmonton Oilers prospect, who we'll talk about a little bit later, he is signed. What does that entail for him? And the two 16-year-olds, are they going to be uh, allowed to come back into the WHL next year? So there's a lot of questions, but the fact that the WHL not only suspended the GM and coach and fined them, $25,000 is massive and kind of tells you that this was a serious incident. And for people who kind of look at it and say, why are the coach and the GM uh, receiving suspensions as well? When these players, remember all these players are under the age of 21. So when they're on the road, they don't have their parents and the training staff, coaching staff, management staff kind of act as their parents on the road. So it's a situation where they're basically their parents in these situations. And if they can't um, manage them, or if something happens, the in the end, the adults have to take responsibility. So like I said, we'll see what happens in the future. We're not going to speculate on what the incident was, but it obviously was serious enough that the WHO had to step in and issue these uh, suspensions and fines. Yeah, and uh, that's a really good point that there's no guarantee that just because the suspensions only extend to the end of the regular season, that they'll automatically be back and ready to go for game one of the playoffs. But there's also no guarantee 
that they won't at this point, depending on, as you said, what that um, um, respect training and personal conduct training process is all about over the next little while. So something to continue to monitor. Moose Jaw is in a solid playoff position still at this point. So there will be postseason games pretty much guaranteed one way or the other, um, in spite of the fact that they've been missing some important players for the last few weeks since this all went down. Um, and speaking of missing important players, uh, two significant injuries went down on on Friday night in uh, in game action. And you've got an update on one player and a little bit less of an update on the other one. Yeah, so we'll start with Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice projected, I would say, top 10 pick in this year's draft. Uh, he was hit from behind into the boards by Dawson Seitz of Edmonton on Friday night. Um, because of how the feed and where the camera placement is, you couldn't really see the incident. You just kind of heard it, and they didn't show a replay to what I saw on the feed. But he left the ice in pain, and he did not return. He also did not play in the game on Sunday. And uh, Seitz received a three-game suspension after for the hit from behind. Um, and then we have Samuel Honzik of the Vancouver Giants, uh, top projected first round pick. Uh, he was hit by Carson Golder of the Kelowna Rockets in a shot where uh, Carson Golder uh, jumped and made contact with his head. Honzik had to be helped off the ice and did not return to the game. He was actually sent back to Vancouver that night. Um, there's no real timeline on Honzik. The Giants hope that he can return for the playoffs, but Golder received a four-game suspension uh, for the hit. And both of these are hits that in junior hockey, when you're when you're before the WHL, you're taught not to do. You don't target the head and you don't hit a player in the numbers. Uh, both of these players got suspended, but it's a real it's really disappointing because as we talked about, these are two top prospects and two leaders on their teams. So we'll see how that plays into the playoffs and down the stretch. The Winnipeg Ice are probably in a little bit of a better position than the Vancouver Giants. But anytime you lose, you know, uh, a player who's on the cusp of getting 100 points or uh, a player who is by, um, you know, leading your team in points per game, those are massive losses for any team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you say, unfortunate incidents to happen at any time of year, but especially for draft eligibles who need this runway to sort of show their their toolkit, um, not just in, you know, heading into the playoffs, but also ahead of the draft this summer with when scouts will be watching more intently than ever to see, you know, how to rank their final listings um, before the draft in June. So uh, get well soon to both Hanzek and to uh, and to Zach Benson. Uh, now we'll turn to our three stars of the week. And uh, for our third star, we will start uh, at the uh, hosts of the Memorial Cup coming up this June uh, with the Kamloops Blazers. Yeah, we'll start with Fraser Minton, a player who I am a huge fan of. Uh, I, I compared him to Nick Benino a couple weeks ago, and I think that he was an absolute steal for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. But um uh, Fraser Minton really stepped up. So for people who don't know, Logan Stankoven was injured in Seattle. The extent of his injury is still unknown. It was day-to-day, -day, but he did miss all of the action on the weekend. So we'll see how that injury plays out. But he had four goals and seven points in four games this week. Um, he also went 45 for 82 in the faceoff, so 55%. He's now up to 64 points in 52 games, which ranks fifth on the team, which is kind of crazy to think that a player with 64 points in 52 
uh, games is fifth on his team in uh, scoring. Um, but he's also one of five Bla- Blazers to hit the 30 uh, gold mark jo- uh, joining um, Ryan Hofer, Caden Bankier, Logan Sankoven, and Dylan Kiefler. Um, and like I said, I just I, this is a player that I really like, and I think that he has the potential to develop into one of those middle six uh, centers in the next couple of years in the Toronto organization. Um, yeah, and Kamloops is in a pretty good spot as far as their playoff positioning goes at this point. Um, but again, you know, Stankoven obviously is a huge piece for them to miss, even with the uh, with the depth that they have in their forward group. So uh, good on Minton for stepping up and uh, and taking our third star honors for this week. Um, second star, we'll go with the powerhouse Seattle Thunderbirds and uh, their center, Jared Davidson. Yeah, so we start off with the number two two team in the Western Conference, and we'll we'll jump to the number one team in Seattle. So Jared Davidson, the 2022 Montreal four, uh, fifth rounder, uh, he came up big with Seattle. He had five goals and six points and 22 shots in three games. Now, he didn't have a point against Everett in their final of the three games, but he had eight shots in that game. So plenty of ge- uh, shot generation. He's now up to 38 goals and 79 points in 55 games, which leads Seattle. Uh, which is pretty impressive considering Seattle's roster. But to be fair, also, Seattle did add quite a few players uh, later on in the season. But he's uh, scored his fourth career hat-trick, but only his first uh, this season um, against Tri-City. And he's one of seven players currently playing in the WHL who were drafted in the fifth round. Uh, Of those seven players, he has the most points at 79, and he has a 19-point advantage over second place, which right now is... Two players that we talked about in the last two weeks, Parker Bell, who's the Calgary Flames prospect, and Connor Hevest, who's the Anaheim uh, Ducks uh, prospect. So it shows that, you know, that those late round picks are really coming through for in the WHL. And Jared Davidson is leading that Seattle team, even though he's taken a little bit of a step back and not playing necessarily on that first line. He's still producing and he's still one of the most dangerous players on the ice whenever he has the puck. Yeah, and on a team that has five first rounders, um, the fact that he's still getting power play time and still getting leaned on in a top six role, um, you know, says a lot about how important he is to that Seattle team. Um, Now, for our first star this week, uh, a real feel-good story out of Red Deer. Uh, Your first star for the week is uh, goalie Chase Coward. Yes, so Chase Coward, uh, for those who don't know, Back in uh, late August, so August 30th, a statement came out saying he was uh, diagnosed with a uh, conjugal defect in uh, to his lower body. And at the time, nobody really knew if he was going to play this year or if even if he was ever going to return to the WHL playoff because we nobody really knew the extent of this lower body injury and kind of the process through it all. Um, he returned on March 8th against Lethbridge and he won his first game. Uh, he did play the night after. He lost uh, the second one in OT, but he made 55 saves over the 60 shots. Uh, he has uh, He's a 2003-born uh, goaltender, so he does have one more year of draft eligibility. He is undrafted. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be drafted this season, so we'll watch to see if he can come back next year and earn a contract as an overager or if he returns as an overager. Um, but this creates an interesting situation in Red Deer because he was the starter going into the season. And how they how Red Deer has um, done their goaltending is uh, Rhett Stoser and uh, Kaylee uh, Kelsey have been splitting the duties and they each have 19 wins. So now that Coward is back, 
people have to ask, do they play him in the playoffs or do they go with this kind of two-headed rookie monster that they've created in net? Um, you know, having three goaltenders is never a bad thing, especially when all three are playing well. So uh, it's a it's an interesting situation to pay attention to if you are a Rebels fan or if you're watching in the Eastern Conference. But it's just one of these, you know, in a, in a time where not a lot where we had some negative news in the WHL, as we've talked about already, this is kind of that feel good lift up story that you, that makes, makes you feel good inside. Um, yeah, for sure. When you, you know, hear of a, a teenager whose whole sort of life plan might be turned upside down when something like that is discovered that there's like just something up with his body that people hadn't previously realized. Um, you know, it's fantastic for him to have made it back all the way to game action by March. So that's really what seven months from his diagnosis, which seems relatively short in the grand scheme of things. So uh, good on coward. As you say, um, you know, managing three goalies in the playoffs is not always easy, but on the other hand, having a little goalie depth in the playoffs can also turn out to be a really good thing, depending on how things shake down. So uh, I don't want to suggest that uh, fate will make that decision for Brent Sutter, but fate could make that decision for the Rebels. So we'll see how that all turns out. Um, good on Chase Coward. That makes me happy. Uh, now we'll turn to our player spotlight, and uh, this is another good vibe segment. We're going to talk today about uh, some a couple of players who are leading their teams in scoring but don't get a whole lot of recognition from the uh, the hockey world. Yeah, so this is very um, this this segment is very interesting because we have a player who is just starting their WHL career, a rookie, and then a player who is ending their playoff career um as a 20 year old so we'll start out in the edmonton with the edmonton oil games and that is uh gavin hodnot he was the 19th overall pick by the oil kings in 2021 he leads the team with 38 points in 55 games and he also participated in the u17 challenge earlier this year which both of you both me and you were at uh, for team white and he had six points in six games he's a little bit on the smaller side at 5'8, 147 but he also is 16 years old so he has quite a bit of time to develop uh, he's currently on a three game point streak with a goal and three assists and he's making the most of his opportunity with the oil kings um that are last in the whl he's definitely a name to watch in for the uh 2024 draft and he also got some time with the with the edmonton oil kings last year as a 15 year old and we all remember how strong that oil kings team was they made it all the way to memorial cup so as a 15 year old to get games even getting a game in the playoffs um that shows just how much potential he has and what the oil kings think of him as a prospect yeah and and, and again in a rebuilding situation the fact that he is already one of their top players at 16 years old it just means he's getting super great opportunity this year which uh bodes very well for his future yes and uh, for the second player, we will jump over to Prince Albert Raiders and Landon uh, Kozer. So uh, defenseman, he is listed at 5'11", 188 right now. Um, he's one of two defensemen to lead their team in scoring. The other one is Lucas Dragasevic over in Tri-City. Uh, he recently played his 200th career WHO game as well. Uh, he has 56 points in 54 games, which ranks 12th in league scoring among team among defensemen. Uh, he also has 17 goals, which is tied with Eaton Sampson of uh, Prince George for third most in the entire WHL. 
as a defenseman. Uh, undrafted, so he's eligible to sign a contract as of right now. And the book on um, uh, Kozer from watching over the last past couple of years is that he's pretty good in the transition game and he makes a good pass. Um, this is a player that really was affected by the pandemic, it seemed, just based off of his overall play, which may be one of the reasons that he didn't get drafted. But he's also a player that has worked on his game and gone better and better since the bubble season and last year. So he could be one of those players that a team looks at and takes a chance on to sign as depth for their AHL team next year or even their ECHL team. But he's one of these uh, one of these guys that has worked really hard on his game and gone to the point where he should be under consideration for getting a contract or a PTO somewhere in the next couple of months. Yeah, and as you say, good on him for uh, still sticking with it and being able to develop his game um, out of the pandemic situation. And uh, no small feat when a defenseman is leading his team in scoring. Uh, just ask Eric Carlson. Um, so uh, good on good on Landon. Now we'll turn to our NHL team of the week. This week we uh, are staying in the province of Alberta, and we're going to do the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and if this, if we'd recorded this a month ago, we would spend five minutes on Reed Schaefer uh, from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Edmonton's first round draft pick from last year, but he is now a Nashville Predator. So uh, the Edmonton prospects that are still in the dub are a pair of players from the 2021 draft. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, Jake Chason of the uh, Saskatoon Blades, fourth round pick in 2021 by the Oilers, so 116th overall. Six foot two, 187 pound uh, right winger. The pride of Abbotsford, BC. We'll throw that one in there. Uh, we don't get to talk too much about players from Abbotsford. So uh, good on uh, good on the Abbotsford kid. Um, he was traded from Brandon to Saskatoon at the trade deadline for a first, a second, and then a conditional second. Um, his play uh, profile is he has great speed and um, he's really stepped up his game since going over to Saskatoon with 26 points in 28 games. Um, overall, he's a very good offensive player, but it's more about rounding out his overall game and on the defensive side. So we'll see if he can do that transitions into the Oilers system over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and uh, and Jake uh, earned one of our first star awards back in the fall uh, as as one of the good guys who was uh, one of four members of the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, who made headlines for uh, coming to the aid of a distressed man on a bridge in Brandon back in early December. So uh, there's a, a character component to uh, to Jake Chason as well. So uh, that's uh, that's a positive uh, and. Uh, Max Wanner, of course, is the other Edmonton prospect we're going to talk about here, and he's one of the guys that's suspended right now for Moose Jaw. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll focus a little bit on the player um, just to give a little bit of background on what type of player he is. So listed at 6'3", 185 pounds. Uh, he's already signed by Edmonton. He's a player that really keeps his game simple strong in his own end and can transition the puck over um, over the blue line pretty well. He doesn't get involved too much in the offense, but he does have 30 points in 44 games, and that does have to do with him just playing on Moose Jaw and players being able to pick up points with guys like Edgar Fergus and Brendan Yeager um, stealing a show there. Uh, he did play at the Young Stars, and he scored a goal against the Vancouver Canucks, which was very weird to see because it 
deflected off something and went over the head of Arthur Seelofs, who didn't even see it. Uh, it was one of those, when you look back on the video, it leaves the player's stick, disappears completely, and then just ends up in the back of the net. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the perfect example of um, they don't ever ask how many goal, how you scored the goals, just how many goals you scored. But obviously, as we talked about, um, this player, there are this player is involved in the Moose Jaw Warrior suspension. So keep that in mind when uh, when we are talking about him. Yeah, um, I actually had a chance to speak to uh, to Oilers GM Ken Holland um, for the issue the the future wash. Future, future watch issue of the hockey news, which is uh, is on newsstands now. Um, I worked on the Oilers prospect page, and uh, so we chatted a bit about Warner, and that was uh, that was just before the the incident took place. So at that point, um, he was ranked number five on the uh, on the Oilers prospect list, and uh, that was with Reed Schaefer above him. So he would have bumped up one more spot. Um, at this point, uh, now that Schaefer is out of the system, but Holland was was quite effusive, as you mentioned. Um, he uh, Warner had a really good um, showing at the Young Stars tournament, which is interesting because those prospect tournaments kind of went away during the pandemic. And even when you look at it and think that it's only like a three or four day thing and kind of thrown together, and how much can you really take away? Holland was really emphatic about the fact that. Warner really raised his stock in their book. They put him on the first D pairing with uh, with Philip Broberg and really liked what they saw from him in that combination. And as you mentioned, um, he got signed to his entry level contract less than two weeks after the uh, after the prospects tournament ended. So it's not hard to envision a, a straight line there from point A to point B that, that Warner's performance at Young Stars is, is what earned him as a seventh rounder an entry level contract. So that's not necessarily something you see every day for, uh, you know, low, low draft picks from 2021. So um, again, it will, it will be interesting to see how the situation plays out in Moose Jaw, but just in terms of play, I know that the Oilers were, were really high on his development this, uh, this season and, and very hopeful for what he might be able to bring. Um, we don't have any, um, no, we do. <laughs> I'm sorry. In the, the AHL players uh, that uh, that the Oilers have uh, from the WHL are uh, generally are three older guys: um, James Hamblin, Tyler Benson, and Noah Phelp. Um, and then, of course, the big club is pretty well represented with WHL prospect or WHL players as well, including um, Brian Nugent Hopkins, Leon Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, Brett Kulak. Um, those guys are all names that you've heard of. A couple Vancouver Giants uh, representatives there. Also, Kyler Yamamoto and Derek Ryan played with Spokane. Uh, Ryan Murray and uh, and shout out to to Stuart Skinner who played his junior hockey with Lethbridge and uh, it's coming up on the seven year anniversary of his goalie goal, which was scored on uh, March twenty eighth, twenty sixteen, for the Hurricanes. Yeah, um, Oilers uh, mining that WHL uh, pipeline pretty well for sure. Um, I remember watching, you know, Vander Kane, Brett Kulak, Tyler Benson, all through their junior careers. And, you know, just, I'm a huge fan of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I always have been. I think that he doesn't get talked about enough um, because they have McDavid and Dreisaitl there. And I, I, I think that he's the perfect second line center for, Ed, for Edmonton. Like 
you couldn't draw up a better second line center than Ryan Nugent Hopkins for them. And he's having a career year this year. Um, good to see he just signed that massive contract as well. So he's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've always had a soft spot for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, especially because he had to deal with everything that was going on in Edmonton for his first couple seasons until McDavid got there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with you about RNH as well. Um, I got to cover him at a world championship one year, um, and he was just a delight to deal with. And, uh, my, the moment that stands out for me on that was, uh, a three on three overtime for team Canada. He was on the ice with McDavid and Aaron Ratglad. And, uh, when he came off afterwards, I was like, you know, that must've been so crazy. Three first overall draft picks lining up on the same team for three on three overtime. And he just looks at me all bland and is like, I play for Edmonton. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this happens to you all the time. Like I think Taylor Hall might even have still been on the team at that point, but their, uh, yeah, their, their embarrassment of first overall picks. Uh, it was, it, it was no thing to him. It's just normal. Uh, run-of-the-mill day at the office when you're an Edmonton Oiler. Um, so, yeah, like you, I'm, I'm really happy to see him doing as well as he is this year. Um, now to our final segment for this week, our weekly Connor Bedard update. Uh, I do believe we set the line at 10.5 points this week, and we might have been a little bit over-optimistic. Yeah, so this week uh, it was on the Bedard update was a little bit shocking and the fact that he only had two goals in the three games and no assists. Uh, he was held pointless for against the Medicine Hat Tigers, which was the second time in four games, uh, which is, um, yeah, like we said, that's that's not the Bedard that we're used to. Um, Regina is now 1-2-1 one, and one when he doesn't record a point, so it does show how important he is to that. Well, obviously he's important to that team. He's <laughs> Connor Bedard, but it really emphasizes what happens when he doesn't get a point. Uh, but it was a cool moment in that medicine hat game. You know, we've talked about Gavin McKenna a couple times. So Gavin McKenna scored his first career WHL goal. And what was cool about that is after he scores, Connor Bedard kind of comes into the frame because uh, he was on the ice at the time. So, you know, the future, uh, Future WHL, future face of the WHL, scoring in front of the current face of the WHL was a cool moment. There's also the um, family or relation uh, part of this, and we did get confirmation from uh, Gino De pa uh, Pauli, who is the Medicine Hat play-by-play uh, -play guy. So McKenna's uncle is married to Bedard's cousin. Um, that is, so there is a relationship there based off the family, we're not 100% sure at what degree it is, uh, but there is some sort of family relation, so that's always cool to see. Um, but as of right now, Bedard is up to 61 points, 64 assists in 125, point, 125 points in 51 games. Uh, he's still 27 points ahead of Zach Benson for second overall. Um He's also leading the W or the CHL in points and goals. So pretty confident that he'll win CHL player of the year this year. Um, and when we look at Bedard uh, and what happened this past week, it, it, it's a very possible that he he's had, he's played so much this year. He's had two world juniors right after the second world junior in the summer, he went right into WHL training camp, then went right into the WHL season. As I mentioned, another world juniors, then had the top prospects game, 
countless amount of injuries. Like, and this kid's 17 years old. No, you know, not even NHLers are really used to that type of schedule. So we have to do, we have to keep that in mind that it is very possible that he's he's that the one of the reasons that his weekend wasn't as successful as maybe we predicted is that he's just played so much and that he also could be saving his energy for the playoffs. Regina is on pace to make the playoffs. They're not in yet, but it would be it would be very difficult for them to miss the playoffs based off of where they sit right now. So it could also just be him conserving energy or like I said, the fact he's 17 years old and not even NHL veterans go through the type of schedule that he's been through. Yeah, um, for for sure. Yeah. I think that that, um, you know, putting that summer world juniors in August on top of everything else and really grinding him through all of this with no break at all, you know, could be taking a toll. Um, the fact that he basically kind of put the put the pats on his back a little bit, uh, you know, over the last month or so in terms of solidifying that playoff position and getting them to a spot where it looks like they're in a pretty secure spot now, you know, the the performance and the production that that he contributed to make that happen you know probably was no easy task so like you say whether he's um you know just feeling the fatigue or if he's decided to kind of dial it back a notch um and start trying to rebuild his energy for playoffs as the media scrutiny gets brighter and brighter. I saw him on the TNT broadcast last week doing interviews. So um, there's going to be more and more people demanding his time over the next little while. So uh, I hope that he eats well and gets the rest he needs like every 17 year old. So he can, uh, you know, sustain all the way through. Cause uh, I want to see him in the playoffs for as long as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it will be interesting to see. They have six games left, so we'll talk a little bit about this coming week. Uh, Regina, very busy. Four games this week, so they have Wednesday. Great. Versus Brandon. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wednesday, Brandon, Friday, Moose Jaw, which are both home games, and then they're at Moose Jaw on Saturday and then at Saskatoon on Sunday. So definitely doesn't get a break. Um, it's hard to predict what Bedard is going to do. Uh, if it is fatigue or if he just decided that he wanted to take it easy for a weekend. Um, but we're, we'll keep the, we'll keep it at 10 and a half points for four games. I think that's a good bar, um, especially considering that three of those four games are against uh, the number three and four teams in the East. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Connor Bedard this week, but that's always something to watch. Um, he's proven us wrong time and time and time again. So I, 10 and a half points over four games might might seem like a lot, but who knows? Because I think we put it at 10 one time and he went off and put 14 and three or something like that. So yeah, those type of, yeah, we'll see exactly how he uh, responds to this past weekend. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And you're totally right that I'm tempted to call the under for this week, but uh, that would be me, the queen of recency bias, um, letting letting what just happened influence what, what is going to happen, which is for sure not the way that things work in hockey. So uh, it's uh, over to you, Connor, knock our socks off starting on Wednesday night uh, against Brandon. Uh, that's our show for this week. Thanks as always for listening and take care. We will be back next week to check in on Bedard and the rest of the goings on as the uh, WHL season gets down to the wires and the players 
playoffs draw ever nearer. Uh, to make sure that you don't miss an episode, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite platform. The Hockey News podcasts have all been broken down into individual feeds now, so you will need to search for and subscribe to THN on the dub to get this podcast in your feed each week. Uh, if you'd like to check out past episodes of the show and all the others in the THN podcast family, you can go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. And on behalf of Adam and myself, we look forward to chatting with you next week.